Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Have His Car Case by Dorothy Sayers. So this was published in 1932 and is the ninth in the Lord Peter Whimsey Mysteries. It is the second book to feature Harriet and Peter. So it's like the second book in the love story. Which I found a little bit frustrating just because there's only one book between the first book in the love story and this one. And it does not reference Harriet at all. Mm-hmm. Like Peter doesn't even think about her. Mm-hmm. I it's know. a complete standalone mystery up in Scotland. I know. And after this one, there's like two more before you get to the, the real meat. Next question. Is it ha- have his car case or have his carcass? I don't know. I've always said car case, but it's probably carcass. I don't know why it's spelled that way. We can, pretty you know sh- what? I can check. Because I've always said, because carcass is with two S's, right? Two S's. But I also don't understand what a car case is. Oh, it says carcass. So. Is that just the British spelling of carcass? I guess. I did read in some of the author's notes, whatever, about this one, that the line is, the title is taken from a line in Shakespeare. Big surprise. So I'm wondering if this is how it was spelled in ye old olden times. Well, I'm sure it comes from Shakespeare because because Peter and and Harriet are like super into literature and books and poetry and stuff like that. So, yes. <sighs> okay. So this jacket, Meg, take it away. Just read the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Mystery novelist, Harriet Vane, recovering from an unhappy love affair and its most unpleasant aftermath seeks solace on a barren beach deserted, but for one notable exception, the body of a bearded young man with his throat cut. From the moment she photographs the corpse, which soon disappears at the tide, she is puzzled by a mystery that might easily have been a suicide, a murder, or a political plot. With the appearance of her dear friend, Lord Peter Whimsey, however, Harriet finds yet another reason to pursue the mystery, as only the two of them can pursue it. The stuff between the two of them was so good. Mm -hmm. And they have their most, like, emotionally tense exchange yes probably the first one they've had in the text and so while you could be disappointed that there wasn't that moment of like blistering sexual tension like there's no moment that he's in danger of like sweeping her into his arms and making out with her no but the fight they have is so visceral and I loved it oh it's so good it's it's really amazing I mean honestly this book i would argue that the mystery in this book is not that great and the highlight of the book is really their interactions yeah so there's sort of a couple of issues with the mystery and we've touched on this before with Sayers she really gets indulgent self-indulgent in the way she likes to write out puzzles Mm -hmm. and it's so boring yes so there's a, a whole chapter of them solving a code and it's 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 like if someone decided to narrate me and Lane solving a Sudoku puzzle together. And the only saving grace of that chapter is the last line is Harriet realizing she maybe sort of wants to marry Peter, but she won't admit that to herself. Yeah. And I mean, I'm thinking of other authors. If you think of Sherry Thomas and the Lady Sherlock series, there's a whole lot of cipher solving in that as well. But it doesn't 
it's not as boring as it is here. I'm not sure if it's because it's shorter, if it's because it just explains it. I don't know. I think when Charlotte solves puzzles in Lady Sherlock, you're more having her talk about why she's frustrated. Mm -hmm. Not actually the description of her looking at a chart that will eventually have 26 letters, literally moving one letter at a time. Yeah, I mean, there is... I remember I remember this pretty well, actually, because I just recently listened to all of the Lady Sherlock. Mm-hmm. So I, that was like the second or third time that I had read them. And there is a part where she's solving a visionaire cipher mm-hmm. that's like pretty, it explains how to solve it and what to do and what you need to do. But it was not as boring as how they solved it. Well, because it was explaining the concept, not her literally doing it letter by letter. Yes. Oh, this was so bad. Um, and the good. other problem... And I, I kind of had this big problem with The Five Red Herrings, which is the book between Strong Poison and this one. Mm-hmm. She's, Sayers at this point in the story, is going through this weird habit where the m- mystery and the detecting is happening simultaneous to every character articulating their version of events Mm -hmm. so it feels like the mystery is really really slow Mm -hmm. because first you have to read about the discovery of the evidence and then you have to read about the interpretation of that evidence in a way that you know is going to be immediately thrown out the window yeah so like it just it, it slows the plot down in a way that's really unfortunate because I think there's especially in this one some nuggets of a really good story well, and I think she comes up with interesting ideas and interesting mysteries, and I think she tries really hard to make them plausible and make solving them plausible. Like, it's not just a Sherlock Holmes, uh, you know, like, let's be honest, Conan Doyle, when you read Sherlock Holmes, as a reader, you're never going to be able to figure out that mystery because it's all these clues that Sherlock noticed that Watson didn't, mm-hmm. right? Whereas here, I think she's trying to construct it in a way for the reader to be able to solve it if they could, but. Maybe. I, I don't read them that way, but I also don't like that's not something that appeals to me. So me neither. That's not my favorite part of we've talked about this actually several times. Yeah. It's not my favorite part of mysteries. I don't really care if I figure it out or not. I, when I read a mystery, I don't try to figure out who did it because that, to me, that's not the point of it. The point is reading it and enjoying it and not using my own little gray cells. <laughs> the other thing is the part about this mystery that I would have found most appealing isn't revealed until the last third of the book. Mm-hmm. And I really wish it had been telegraphed more explicitly earlier on yeah because I don't want to spoil it because it's worth reading but there's like a European royalty bent to the mystery and as you probably gathered from previous episodes I am very interested in modern monarchies and so like if that had been a bigger part of the plot it would have captured my attention more than what happened did yeah And I think she was trying to be subtle because there were lots of clues and lots of hints about it. But again, I mean, it doesn't that we are not in it. We are not in it to comb for the, for the clues. 
But I also like for all that there were hints that there was some sort of an aristocratic mm-hmm. layer to the story. I needed the exact level to be a lot more explicit to care. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Um, I don't love the way she writes about other cultures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not a criticism of Sayers. It's a criticism of the 1930s. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, this is something we've, we've talked about. You get a very strong sense of the 1930s in England, uh, which also means that you get a very strong sense of how insular and racist the society was. Also, I don't know how recently you've reread this one, Meg. Pretty recently. But the fight in the courtroom about immigrants. Yeah. Yep. Made me laugh. I was like, oh, my God, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that. And then the whole, you know, um, what's his name's um, Paul Alexis, Paul's girlfriend and the whole anyway. Yeah. Just lots of lots of stuff in there. But yeah. let's, let's get to the meat, which for us is the love story. Because this is, this is really where Sayers shines in this book. This book really works as a love story. And it's great because in Strong Poison, you know, Harriet's behind bars and Whimsy is helping her. And so there's inherently a power imbalance between the two of them. And Peter knows it and Harriet knows it and is sort of made uncomfortable by it. Mm-hmm. Where in this one, Harriet's obviously a free woman. And it's really primarily from her perspective because Mm -hmm. she's the one who discovers this body and he comes to help solve the mystery and they both have POV chapters. But you definitely, I I didn't complain, but I pointed out that in Strong Poison, you get nothing from her perspective. This is the book that develops her. Yes, exactly. And it's so good. Yes. Yes. It's, she's, she's great. Let's talk about Harriet because this Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. So Harriet is a mystery novelist. Uh, Some people at the time and even today sort of criticize Sayers for making her main heroine a mystery novelist. They're saying, well, she's really just an author stand in. She's a Mary Sue. She's you. She, this is wish fulfillment for you, Dorothy Sayers. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? I hadn't, I didn't think that independently. So if that's what's going on here, I don't think it's badly executed. Mm -hmm. I do think if you're writing a couple that solves mysteries, that isn't like established from the very beginning of your series, you have limited options in terms of what they do professionally and like how much they're capable of helping to solve the crimes. And so Lord Whimsy is a genius amateur detective. That's fine. I think making Harriet a writer is a good way for her to provide insight. Yeah. Without her also being an all-knowing prodigy. Yes. Like crime isn't her hobby in the same way it's his, but because of her profession, she's, she knows things like what you should do at a crime scene. Mm-hmm. You know, she thinks about, motive as a complex thing she's one of my favorite moments in this book is when she calls this is also right before their big fight when she points out to peter that of course she's a suspect she found the friggin' body yeah she's the only one who's seen it like i think 
there there are only so many ways, especially in the 1930s with a female character, mm-hmm. to make her care about the detecting without making her just an extension of your hero. Yeah. And I think this was a great way to give Harriet a full identity. I like that. The other thing I really like is that by making Harriet an author, a mystery writer, Sayers gets to give us a commentary on writing or books, literature of the same time period. So there's this line in the book that I just love. So she she writes, basically, Harriet is going out. She wants to seduce um, one of the suspects because she wants to get information from him. And so in order to do this, This is a quote. She now selected a slinky garment composed of what male writers call some soft clinging material. (laughs) I mean, this is so great. I think it's so perfect because it it works in so many ways. So it works as Harriet's thought. Harriet is a writer. Of course, she's going to think about what she wears in terms of how it would be described in a book. Mm -hmm. It's also Sayers as a writer saying, uh, yeah, this is totally what a dude would write about it. But it's also Sayers getting to take advantage of that. So now she gets to say it's made of a soft, clinging material. Right. Without, by pointing out that it's a cliche, she can still use it. So mm-hmm. I, I just love it. It works on so many levels. It's like so perfect. Harriet's attire is such a great part of this book. Yes. Da- and especially the claret gown. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. So, so what, what happens at the beginning of this book is Harriet is out tramping around the countryside. So apparently this is a thing. This is not the first novel I've read where this happens. Um, I am thinking specifically of Out of the Silent Planet by uh, C.S. Lewis. His character in that book is also just tramping around England. I guess back in the 1930s and 40s, that's what people did for fun. They just were like, I'm going to tramp like go on long hikes alone right which is again so fascinating to me that like this is just what people do right people still do it I mean I think I grew up for the most part relatively close to the Appalachian Trail yeah but did they do it alone yeah I know people who've walked it alone wow see I don't know I just and that's a little different because I mean, I've never hiked, so I don't know, like, how often they get to civilization. But clearly, walking a mountain path is a little different than, like, walking along a highway. Yeah. But I, people still do it. Yeah. Well, and it seems, I, I know people, actually, one of my coworkers just did this. He, he yeah, la- last year? I think last year he went over to England and. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, with some friends, with some buddies. But he walked Hadrian's Wall in England. So I guess it's, like, it's still done. Just to me, I guess it was it's very interesting to see people do these solitary hikes. And especially in the 1930s, it's a, a woman just woman. hiking alone. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I wouldn't like, feel safe yeah. doing well, that now. It's more densely populated too. So I guess you come along, you, you see towns much more often, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's how it opens. Harriet's just tramping She's alone. She's like, wants some alone time to get over her imprisonment <laughs> and the end of her love affair. I mean, that was two years ago, they say, though. Yeah, but she needs some time. She needs some time. So she's out tramping, and then she's on the beach, and she finds a dead body. Right? So she finds this dead body. Uh, so she's all she's got with her are tramping clothes. All she's got with her are tweeds 
and hiking boots and stuff like that. So she's just got very practical things. And when she realizes she's going to be in this town for a little while, uh, it's like a resort town for a little while, doing some detecting work with Lord Peter. He's like, you know, you've got, you better get an evening gown. <laughs> you better get some nicer clothes. I, I mean, it's great. You're, it's so true. And I, I don't think I, I, I love that he's about. the dandy. Mm-hmm. Like of the two of them, he's the one who cares about clothes. Oh, for sure. It's not, and I don't think it's that Harriet is indifferent to clothes. No, she's not a duke's brother and son. Right, and she doesn't have the money that he does to to play with her attire either. I mean, at this point, I think cost is less of a concern for her because they say you know she was a mildly successful writer before the murder, and now she's like wildly successful. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Murder suspect mystery writer oh a hundred percent I I like that too I like how Sayers gives us a development and which which are like logical developments logical character developments if you think of mm-hmm. Agatha Christie's detectives like Poirot nothing really changes in his life he's the same dude from one book to the next he doesn't right. grow older he doesn't change um, which I think is a, a difference between her and Sayers. Well, yeah, I mean, there are mystery series where the characters are intentionally trapped in time. Mm-hmm. And then there are mystery series that are predominantly, you know, books about characters that age and grow. And, yeah. you know, one's not inherently better than the other, but Sayers is definitely the aging and growing school. Yeah. No, one's not inherently better than the other, but... I am definitely more attracted to a, a character study than I am to a, a plot. Same. Um, and then one other thing that I really like uh, it, that we get because of Harriet being a mystery writer is mm-hmm. that she's trying to also write her book while she's trapped and trying to solve this mystery. So she's trying to write this book. She has pub- her publisher is telling her, look, I need to get these new off these new chapters. You need to send me pages. Right. Well, and it, I liked that because it seems to me like it was being serialized. It was Maybe. kind of how I read it, which yeah. was really common back then. So I mm-hmm. liked that. Yeah. Uh, but there's this part where, I, I don't know. I just like how you, she say or sort of pulls back the curtain on how she's writing. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that this is how that Harriet's writing process is similar to Sayers' writing process would have been. Mm-hmm. So she's acknowledging that there are these tropes, that there are these cliches. There's a framework that she has to work within. So she's supposed to be writing in this love interest. <laughs> and Harriet is in the middle of her own, like, stifled love affair, right? And she just cannot write a love scene she can't write a kiss she can't write a lover's quarrel she's just like I can't do this so she eventually just like I'm writing it out she like crosses it out sends it off and she's like I know you wanted more kissing but not happening yep um I just I just really like it I really enjoyed Harriet's internal monologues and it's interesting because she and Whimsy are similar characters Mm -hmm. I think they both have similar like serious angst mm-hmm. within that they cover up with a lot of humor. 
Yeah. And like witty witticisms. And like they clearly think on the same wavelength. Yeah. But in spite of that, Harriet's voice is still really distinct. Yeah. And I'd actually say one of my criticisms of Sayer's writing is that her secondary characters do kind of blend. Like, especially when there's several different inspectors Mm -hmm. in one given book, I cannot tell their voices apart at all unless one of them, for some reason, is very distinctive. I think Harriet, Charlie Parker, Whimsy, Bunter all have very strong and distinct voices. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's her greatest strength. She's just really, really cool. Um, with you, you get different motivations, different ideas, different voices. Yes. Yeah. It's just great. Um, speaking of literature, I just want to also point out that Paul Alexis, who is the the victim in this Mm -hmm. book, reads Ruritanian romances. Just throwing this out there because we are going to be reviewing The Prisoner of Zenda, which was the first Ruritanian romance soon. And then we're going to be reading a book that references prisoner of zenda so we're yeah. like we're in a prisoner of zenda frame right now yeah. so i just wanted to mention that part oh it's so good all right let's talk about their big fight okay so as we know in strong poison peter saves harriet from the gallows basically mm-hmm. and this time around harriet discovers the body reports it to the police the assumption is widely suicide, but there are a couple of weird oddities that make that seem just unlikely. Mm-hmm. Namely, you know, the behavior of the victim wasn't leading anyone to think suicide in such a violent and bloody manner mm-hmm. would make sense to his character. He had recently updated his visa, passport, converted pound notes to gold so you know there was evidence he was preparing for a very long journey yeah and so like nobody quite knew why he was would be suicidal um and there's a couple of people who have motive yeah want him killed and are behaving erratically and suspiciously and so harriet you know gets to the city reports this crime it takes her forever to get to the cops and then before she even, it's funny because she thinks about whimsy. She thinks about it, but she's like, I'm not calling him. She will, but she thinks but, about him when she finds the body. She's like, what would whimsy do? No, I'm going to think about my detective. Should I call whimsy? Is it like detective, like etiquette to give him a heads up? And then she's like, no, I don't want him to interpret it for more than I mean it as. I, I will say, I really like, there's a little bit of a uh, uh, fake out ending mm-hmm. one of the chapters because she's like okay she goes in the phone booth to make another call but who does she call a newspaper reporter yep not peter. i loved how mercenary she was anyway mm-hmm. okay so at this point peter reads about it or hears about it from a reporter friend yes and gets in his car and goes immediately and they're working together to solve the mystery and figure out if there even is a mystery to solve when peter points this is when Harriet says hey I'm a suspect they've been and, both avoiding saying this so they both and, have yes. thought it and and they both have known it but they have not 
vocalized it. They haven't admitted it out loud. And so Harriet says out loud, I'm a suspect. And Peter kind of tries to play it off. And she's like, the police are searching my rooms. Mm -hmm. And Peter gets really mad on her behalf. And like is upset that the police have invaded her privacy while relying on her help sort of thing. And she kind of insists. She's like, it makes sense. I get it. And he flips out and kind of can't hold it anymore and just says, why do you think I'm here? Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's worse than that because she knows why he's there. Right. And so she gets even angrier and she's like, you didn't have to say it. Like, I know you came, you already saved my life once. Now you're here to do it again. Like, basically. And then, and then he says, he, why do you think I'm here? And she's like, you know, says something about maybe what a call him. And she's like, I, he's like, I came so you wouldn't have to summon me. Basically yeah. meaning like, I didn't want you behind bars using me as your one phone call. Yes. But then, and then he's just really upset too, because this whole, on the one hand, yes, now they're working together. They're in close proximity. They're really, they're getting along well. I mean, the whole reason she buys the claret gown is because he suggests that it's a good color for her. And then he's right. Uh, Yes, he's right. Of course. But so on the one hand, yeah, they get to spend all the time together. On the other hand, it's erased all of the progress that he's made over the past two years of trying to show her that he sees her as an equal, uh, that they she's not, she doesn't have to be well indebted together. to him. This exactly. isn't a marriage. Which I would have loved a little more about what he'd done over the last two years. Uh, it was He was in Scotland investigating the five red herrings lane, obviously. <laughs> I would have liked a little more about what he was doing to improve her. Oh, to their relationship. Yeah. To improve their relationship, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. But, I mean, I can always have more Peter and Harriet, but... And she basically gets pissed off because she feels cornered. Mm-hmm. Because once again, he's there to help her. Once again, he's her best chance, and he won't stop proposing. Yes. Which, oh my God, when he proposes via telegram, mm-hmm. I died. Oh, it yeah. It was so funny. He's so great. And she just bursts into tears Mm -hmm. which is not very her and Peter at that point is like completely out of his depth yeah but it was just I think a lot of times one I think it's the nature of like detective fiction to stay a little surface Mm -hmm. yeah because you don't want to give away anybody's inner thoughts too quickly yes um and obviously there's the British stiff upper lip and whimsy's mm-hmm. an aristocrat and a military man. So there's all these layers of reserve that are like authentic to this character. And to kind of get beneath that veneer for both of them, yeah. even if it was only two pages long, was so refreshing. And this fight, we read romance novels, right? There are fights in romance novels. We see a lot of fights. Part of being in a relationship is learning how to agree and disagree with the person that you're in a relationship with. But I think what's so nice here is how authentic and how real this fight feels and how, how much, how much it's going to count towards something, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it's not just a, oh, we're arguing about what to have for dinner. This is arguing about like their deep seated fears and desires and how they're going to get married or not. Right. You know, it's, you know, he feels like he keeps putting himself out there in a way that's half a joke because he knows if he's sincere, she's going to freak out. Mm-hmm. And she won't 
consider that just because she was burned once that he wouldn't hurt her. Like they're both just at such raw ends. Yeah. And feel so exposed with the other. Yeah. It's yeah. just so good. It's so good. Uh, and then there's, there's another like romancy part that I wanted to point out. Mm-hmm. And that's when, so Harriet's been trying to sort of seduce, not sexually, but you know, going on little dates with one of the suspects to get close to him. And the suspect, um, it, it, she, he's proposing carte blanche to Harriet. So he's not going to propose marriage or anything, but he wants to, you know, have a little affair. He, and he assumes she's fast and loose, given her reputation from her trial. Well, her reputation and her behavior. Like, she is totally flirting with him, wearing soft, clingy dresses and all kinds of stuff. So, anyway, they're at the bar, and he makes some kind of insinuation to Peter. And Peter does this, like, real romance hero thing where he's like, I, you know, I don't want to tell you what family I come from, but I come from a Duke's family, and my yearly income is three times as much as yours or something like that. It's like, you know, the glove in the face, like, don't come near my woman. And he, Peter at that, like, he thinks to himself, oh, he, I can't believe I just did that. Like, I cannot believe I just acted like that. But because that did. was not the smart thing from a detecting standpoint. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, but, look, it wasn't a smart thing to do if you're trying to attract Harriet either. Like, that's yeah. not going to win Harriet over. I thought what you were going to say there was after she successfully seduces the suspect and gets more than she bargained for, mm-hmm. she goes back to her rooms and just calls Peter. Yeah, well, there's that too. In a panic and like, it literally just come here right now. And then she sits in her bed staring straight ahead until he gets there. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, there's these little moments of like their subconscious selves. Yeah. Being ready when their conscious selves aren't and they want to push their feasts together yeah well I mean Peter's ready but he doesn't know how to attract Harriet right he doesn't know how to like ask her in a way that will make her say yes yeah and it's I think it's really good too because this is a guy who in social situations always knows how to act but he doesn't know what to do with Harriet but anyway this book is really really great especially as the second novel, as, as a book exploring a relationship between two people. And there is not I'm a... beginning. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I think if our readers want to read the Lord Peter Whimsy series, mm-hmm. I think I'd actually recommend they read Whose Body, Clouds of Witness, mm-hmm. and then just the ones with Harriet. I know. Oh, God. Like, so good. I'm going to read them all. And I'm going to keep pushing through the ones that aren't Harriet and Peter. And we will review the Harriet and Peter ones eventually. Yeah. But I think if I hadn't already started with the mindset that I was going to read them all, I'd just read Whose Body Clouds of Witness and then the Harriet ones. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. They, they're they really, they're really amazing. These, the three, there are four really that feature Harriet and Peter. Um, so Strong Poison, Have His Carcass, um, Gaudy Night, which is the best, the best, it's a masterpiece, and then uh, Busman's Holiday, uh, or Busman's Honeymoon, sorry, um, but they're all, they're all really good, they all build on each other, I mean, it's, it's really great, there's, the, the, there's the meet cute, then there's this, which is the, the conflict, then there's the next one, which is the resolution, and then we have after the happily ever after, which is Busman's Honeymoon, 
I can't wait. I'm like very excited. I'm here for they're, this ride. They're, they're really, it's truly, truly, they're amazing. <laughs> very, very good. So as always, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.